Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The original start of that shot is me like shoulder barging an old lady out of the way who's posting something <laughs> to then post that, um, which I, I, I know I know exactly why it was cut and it's a good choice, but I still have the footage on my phone and that also makes me laugh every so often. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year. And, of course, we are breaking down the state of the 2023 Emmys race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and I could not be happier to have back with me this week EW critic Kristen Baldwin. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am wonderful. So happy to have you here, like I said. Uh, Kristen voting has started that's why it's really exciting too i can't believe it we're just hurtling ahead through this season i know which means uh like summer is pretty much i mean it's officially here um look i can't even imagine what it must uh feel like to be a voter because they're opening up their uh, presumably electronic i don't i hope no one gets a paper ballot because that must be like a binder (laughs) um but just the the plethora of choices that voters have, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, obviously, there are a lot more when you get down to like the supporting categories, because there are some more supporting por- performances than there are lead. Yeah. I, I I don't envy them at all. No, I know. And it's, you know, as much even the most dedicated uh, voter, it's going to be impossible to see everything. So there's always going to be, you know, there are going to be little gems out there that simply get overlooked because humans have a, you know, finite capability to, you know, watch everything. There are only so many hours in a day. But uh, that's why I think, you know, shouting about the things that we love early and often might help because at least it might uh, spur somebody to check something out that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Absolutely. That's why I uh, love to ask all of you who come on, you know, that that uh, who ought to get a nod question, um, you know, shout out the the folks who don't maybe don't have the ratings or don't have the big marketing budgets because mm-hmm. um, uh, mm-hmm. there's there's just some really fantastic uh, work that's being done out there. And um, it's it's not on, uh, you know, the biggest streaming networks or the biggest cable networks or even biggest, you know, mainstream uh, main (laughs) big five networks um here's the even wilder thing prepare yourself tv shows that are eligible at the 2024 emmys have already started airing they started june 1st we here we are um halfway into the month i'm going to put you on the spot quickly is there anything you've watched this month that you're like oh they should be thought of come next year Interesting. Well, yes, um, I'm a Virgo, uh, which is uh, oh, you are. I'm a Cancer. On, uh, okay. <laughs> I am actually a Virgo, and I really oh, hey. enjoyed I'm a Virgo, which uh, is the new Boots Riley show uh, that yeah. is going to premiere on Amazon June 23rd, and it stars Jarell Jerome uh, and Walton Goggins, and it's a completely 
bonkers story about a 13 foot tall black teenager in Oakland played by Jarrell Jerome and uh, his you know, he emerges into the world after sort of living in secret with his aunt and uncle for 19 years. And it is crazy, but really, really original and funny. And uh, as as Boots Riley did with uh, Sorry to Bother You, there is some uh, intense social commentary mixed in as well, but it's done in a truly original way. And I loved it. Oh, well, all right. Well, so I will be digging into that one soon. By the way, I'm still trying to catch up on the shows that are eligible this year. So I I will get to it. I will get to it eventually. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, so let's talk about the shows that are eligible this year. Uh, I guess I should tell everyone who is on today's episode. Um, He cast a spell on audiences for a decade as Harry Potter. This year, he created movie magic, playing Weird Al in the Roku Channel movie Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Of course, I'm talking about Daniel Radcliffe, uh, and he is joined by his director, Eric Appel, who actually... This all started with a funnier die short film that he made a decade ago. It came out 10 years ago this month. Um, wow. That version of it starred Aaron Paul. Uh, and yeah, it was just like three minutes, maybe a little over three minutes. And now it is a full length feature all at the urging of Weird Al, who um, Eric says called him up, you know, a couple years ago and was like, I think our time is now. And and that was largely because, uh, you know, we had Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman mm-hmm. and we knew that Elvis was getting made like all of these music biopics. Some of them are on TV. George and Tammy, a limited series that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but but of course, Kristen, in traditional Weird Al fashion, this is not <laughs> it's not actually a biopic. I mean, yes, Weird right. Al is a a singer of spoof songs in it, but it it there's so much fictionalized, absurd stuff in it that I was laughing all the way through. It's so silly and funny. And Dan Radcliffe is so great as Weird Al, because I got to say, when it first like when they first announced like Daniel Radcliffe is going to play Weird Al, I was like, what? Uh, yeah. and, and even he admits he was, he said, yeah, I felt the same when it was announced that I was going to play Weird Al. I was like, <laughs> I am. <laughs> huh? What yeah. is this? Wait. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever met um, or interviewed Weird Al? I have not, but I am a big Weird Al fan, and I uh, loved his movie from a thousand years ago, UHF, and uh, the Weird Al show. So I love, you know, he's obviously a brilliant comedian as well as musician, and so uh, I would expect nothing less from his biopic to be, you know, partly real, partly fictionalized, and all absurd. That's what you want from Weird Al. Oh, yeah. He becomes a bit of like an action hero in the movie. It's 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 I love it so much. Um, and it's funny because, he, yeah, you talked about how uh, how incredible of a, of a comedian he is. It's really interesting to think about how like I, he has influenced pop culture and, co- and comedy in ways that I think a lot of people just don't realize Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I was doing the interview with those guys, it, it really got me thinking about, you know, as a, as a child loving and enjoying Weird Al's songs, but I didn't quite comprehend the brilliance of the comedy at the time. It was just funny. These, you know, funny plays on right. word that he did. Um, but it was really so much more than that. Um, and so kudos to him. He's, he's great. Yes. 
he he deserves a, a biopic like this. And you know, remember his videos were these hilarious yeah. movie like cinema. Yeah. You know, the video for Fat, which I'm sure you know that parody would never get made today. But that's a really funny and elaborate <laughs> uh, take on the uh, Michael Jackson video. So he's obviously, you know, he knows a lot about visual storytelling as well. He sure does. All right. Well, uh, so that's my my spiel on that. Folks should check out, if you have not seen it yet, We're Weird, the Al Yankovic story. It's on the Roku channel, uh, so you can stream it, watch it on your on your laptop, or if you have the app on your TV, check it out. Uh, it's an easy watch, and you will thoroughly enjoy it. Okay, so I mentioned uh, you know some of these other um, music biopics that they are part of the limited anthology series race. Let's talk about those categories today. Getting into uh, the top category, uh, limited or anthology series. George and Tammy uh, is a big one there. Of course, George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Um, as played by Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. Um, uh, so that that's in the mix. Uh, we've also got here, uh, this one feels like it came out three years ago, but I guess it was just uh, last fall. Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Uh, there's also Beef with Ali Wong and Stephen Yun. Um, Blackbird, Fleischman is in Trouble. Uh, more music from Daisy Jones and The Six. Um, a Small Light, Love and Death, which is a, uh, a repeat of sorts of last year's or, or actually... Yeah, it was last spring, uh, Candy, uh, starring uh, Jessica Biel as Candy Montgomery, but now we have Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, There's also uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was last, uh, it actually debuted last eligibility period, but because they wouldn't make the episodes available to voters, they had to go into this one. Uh, Swarm, which I liked a lot. Mrs. Davis, which I know you liked a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have White House Plumbers. Like, here's... Here's what I will say on this one, Kristen. I feel like Monster and Beef are the only locks. I don't know really about the other like three or four, what they're going to be. I agree with you. I mean, unfortunately, I think Monster is a lock. I'm not a big fan of the uh, that miniseries yeah. simply because, you know, all the controversy about not contacting relatives and then Ryan Murphy sort of late in the game being like, yes, I did. And they just didn't get back to me. And uh, I'm not sure I'm buying that. That said, I do think George and Tammy might be a lock simply because it's big stars and it was clearly made to win awards. Um, Beautifully (laughs) done, beautifully, you know, acted and stuff, but just, I found it very boring, but beautiful, but it clearly exists to win awards. Um, the one that you didn't mention that I hope is on the list, but I think, you know, there, it may get pushed out is The Patient, um, starring Domhnall Gleeson and, and uh, Steve Carell, which was completely bizarre and dark, but really, really good. Um, I do think Blackbird has uh, also, even though that one feels like it came out four years ago um, (laughs) has also uh, experienced a recent burst of momentum and, you know, a lot of great performances in that as well. Yeah. And, you know, like A, a Small Light is also a very well done series uh, about um, Meep Geese, who uh, she and her family helped uh, hide uh, Anne Frank and, and her family. Um, uh, Belle Polly plays uh, Meep Geese in that. Um, Leah Schreiber plays Otto Frank. Um, I think it being on Nat Geo is a little to its disadvantage. Of course, it was streaming on mm-hmm. Disney Plus and everything, but I don't, I don't know if people think uh, I want to watch that Holocaust drama on Disney Plus. Um, 
think about uh, it. Uh, so, you know, it just, I, 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 that's not what I think I of when it, I think yeah. of Disney Plus. Uh, I'm thinking, it's rough. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a tough, you know, even though it's supposed to be beautiful and, you know, really has gotten great reviews. Yeah. It's, you know, nobody, you know, comes home and is excited to kick back in front of the TV and watch a Holocaust drama. It's, 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 it's tough. So, but um, that said that, you know, also really serious period pieces about, you know, terrible things like the Holocaust often do well in award season. So that could help. They sure do. And White House Plumbers is uh, very similar to another limited series that we had last year, Gaslit. Uh, it was a, from the perspective of uh, Martha Mitchell, who was played by Julia Roberts. Uh, and, you know, the, the the entire Watergate break in and the guys who, uh, you know, led the charge there and doing that. Uh, but here you've got Woody Harrelson, who's getting um, a lot of attention uh, and, and he's quite good in it. Um, but I was just kind of like, did we need another telling of the Watergate scandal? Um, but we have it. and deal with Mm -hmm. it i suppose (laughs) i guess that's kind of what they're saying so yeah so that's that's the main limited series race i like we we said we agreed on monster and beef uh the others tbd but um there's some there are a lot of good options in here what i will say is not as much i mean of course there's monster blackbird white house plumbers love and death i'm feeling like not as much uh, true crime as we had last year. Well, right. And not as much sort of let's just reenact, you know, true crime yes. uh, with movie stars and not really have a point of view. There was a lot of that last uh, Emmy season. But I do think even, you know, something like White House Plumbers or Blackbird, those are stories that, um, you know, have a more, you know, there was obviously a more satirical twist with White House Plumbers or and then Blackbird was, you know, that was a less uh, sort of a story that had not yet saturated the, you know, pop culture landscape. So it did feel new. And it was also, it was, you know, more like a character study of these two, you know, uh, very different and uh, intense individuals. You know, I called it like uh, my dinner with Andre, but with serial killers, you know, (laughs) because like, (laughs) it's just a lot of conversation, you know, one serial killer, but a lot of conversation. So, uh, uh, and getting to the heart of that character. So, yeah. Well, so let's go ahead and talk about that category. Lead actor. Here's where it gets a little complicated in a limited series or movie. The TV movie Mm -hmm. actors get lumped in with the limited series actors here all together. And the star of Blackbird, you're talking about Taron Egerton. Uh, He's he's so good in this and he's uh, kind of been given this assignment. Uh, If you can get this serial killer, Larry Hall, to confess to certain things, we're going to get you out of prison earlier. By the Mm -hmm. way, Larry Hall, no relation. Feel like I should say that. Um, (laughs) Even though we are both from the Midwest, uh, actually from Indiana. I do not know the man. Um, but then also in this category, gosh, Evan Peters for Dahmer, Stephen Young for Beef, uh, Michael Shannon, George and Tammy, Daniel Radcliffe, as uh, we've talked about for uh, Weird Al, Woody Harrelson, White House Plumbers. There's also Steve Carell and The Patient, who you mentioned, uh, Jesse Eisenberg for mm-hmm. Fleischman is in Trouble. People really love that series. Um, Ewan McGregor for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know about that, but uh, it was so great um, having those characters back. Um, okay. I'm with you on the like it feeling gross and dirty that Dahmer was even made, but I will say 
Evan Peters yeah. did a damn no, good job. I mean, I no, he did. He did. He's a lovely actor. He did a great job. I don't fault him really, you know, in, in this scenario. I just ugh, I just don't want I, you know, it's already too late. Like they're going to make another monster uh franchise. You know, Netflix is doing they've turned this into a franchise, and so they'll do some other killer. Um, I just, you know, knowing uh how you know, just really reading about the backlash and the and the families who felt blindsided by this and and exploited and re-traumatized, you know, I just I don't want it to get up. But putting that aside, yes, Evan Peters is an excellent actor and he did a great job. You know, the one other person that um I know keeps bubbling up and I I people do love him. It's just, it's a smaller uh, project is Ben Wisha and this is going to hurt. Um, and people really love him. Um, he's great. Uh, so, but again, there's so many people, you know, I, I think you mentioned Michael Shannon, like there's just, yeah, there's, this is a packed, packed category. I would just love to see Daniel Radcliffe win it because how crazy would it be for Harry Potter to win playing Weird Al? I mean, yeah. come on. Weird Al. Uh, and he did it without even the use of a, a, a spell or a magic wand. Yeah. Um, uh, just just his own talents, his uh, which own, are yeah. quite magical. I, I would say he's. Yeah. And and um, some of the some of the odd sites do think think that he is uh his odds are increasing um so yeah we're we'll it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out for a while i thought it was like it's evan peters to lose and now it's like oh well he actually maybe could lose because by the way he did not win the sag award Mm -hmm. uh uh, sam elliott won for 1883 um so i don't really know how much that's going to say about the emmy race but um but then i thought oh it's going to be beef it'll be steven right um it was great but yeah but now yeah, he's great. But now, like you said, Daniel Radcliffe, he has a lot to do in that movie. Um, uh, a lot of really interesting, odd things, and he sells it so well. He's he's great. So uh, it's going to be a, a, that's a, an interesting category to keep an eye on. Um, let's talk about lead actress in a limited series or television movie. Uh, we've mentioned Jessica Chastain for George and Tammy, uh, Stephen Young's counterpart, Ali Wong and Beef. Rachel Weisz plays twins. Who doesn't love that? In <laughs> Dead Ringers, Emily Blunt is fantastic in the English. Um, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Flashman is in trouble. Lots of love for that. Lizzie Kaplan is a lead contender there. Riley Keough for uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. I just want, actually want to see Jessica Chastain and Riley Keough perform together. Oh, Can we yeah. make that happen? That would Maybe be, that could be a lot of that fun. That could be a fun a little interlude uh-huh uh-huh um elizabeth olsen for her take on candy montgomery in love and death uh someone i really want to see nominated because she's so good in the series dominic fishback on swarm um i mentioned bell Polly for a small light um betty gilpin i know you love for mrs yes. davis um who do you think are locks who would you be sad to see not get nominated well, I do think Ali Wong's in a lock. I think probably Jessica Chastain as well. Um, another actress who the voters really like is Sydney Sweeney, and she's in reality playing a reality mm-hmm. winner in that HBO film. So I think she could be in the mix as well. And like I said, I you know my heart 
will be broken if Betty Gilden is not nominated. But this is, again, another really packed category. It really is. I, I, I just keep skimming the list. and I'm like, holy cow, I forgot about a lot of these shows, a lot of these performances. Um, I, it's there's there's so many options here. Um, it, it makes you think on one hand, the category could or should be expanded. But um, but we don't want to go hog wild and you know nominate 15 people. But there's there are a lot of um, really fantastic performances here in a in a wide variety of of genres and different types of projects and that's really exciting to see too um so uh that's going to be tough let's stick with the actresses move into the supporting category supporting uh in a in a tv movie or limited series um she's definitely a lock to get a nomination i'm going to go out on a limb and say she's going to win niecy nash bets for uh dahmer the thing about her in this role is that she's really she's the beating heart of this movie. She is the 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 moral the 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 conscience of it. Um, she tries many times to get uh, police to pay attention to this neighbor of hers who is up to no good. He certainly isn't, um, and she's just uh, she's she's heartbreaking, and um, you feel all of the fear that she feels. It's just a it's a really fantastic performance. I will say, I'm going to interrupt you and say, because you did mention what are we thinking about for next season or next Emmy season, Niecy Nash in Never Have I oh. Ever is she's always been so as the, good as the, as counselor? the uh, therapist, therapist, yeah, Davies therapist. And, and this final season, which uh, recently dropped, she's so good this season as usual. And I would love to see her uh. get nominated. I'm not sure if she qualifies, if she would qualify for supporting or guest, but either way, she She's great. Yeah. Whenever Nisi is involved, give her an award, period. Honestly, she lights up the screen. Um, and and not with uh, and she doesn't do it in a way that's like taking away from anyone else either. Um, she shares the screen so well with people and and uh, I just I love everything she does. Um but also in this category, in the mix, um, I mean, kudos to them for for great performances, but you're not going to win. Uh, Claire Danes for Fleischman is in trouble. Um, Olivia Coleman can sneeze in a show and get nominated. But in this case, uh, she's in great <laughs> expectations and doing great work. Uh, Cherry Jones is a, a contender for Five Days in Memorial. This is a series that uh, I think people were expecting to make a bigger splash than it did. Um, but but love to see her in the mix here because she's she's always fantastic. Um, White House Plumbers, as we've said, a series about, uh, you know, the, the Watergate break-in. So it's about all the guys, but she's playing one of the wives and I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see if she will make the final cut here. A couple from Beef, Ashley Park and Maria Bello, uh... Can can two folks from that series get in the mix? Maybe because white uh, the White Lotus last year, I think, had four of the eight uh, nominees. (laughs) So (laughs) certainly not unheard of. They're both really good. They are really good. They are. They're both really good. Lily Rabe is another one. She's so good. And I love her so much. But she uh, she is the victim in uh, love and death and and doing great work. Merritt Weaver uh, is in Tiny Beautiful Things. And she has one of my favorite Emmy speeches ever (laughs) where she just got up there and was like, thanks thank thank you thank you i gotta go uh because she was so overwhelmed and did not expect to win um but anyway th- thoughts on that category yeah i mean i i love ashley park i think she's uh great and i would love to see her get in there as well um you know there's so many people and so many uh you know 
Jennifer Coolidge was in The Watcher and she technically could be nominated. Obviously, the voters love her, Um, you know, and in terms of Five Days at Memorial, Cherry Jones is really great in it, as is Vera Farmiga. But yeah, that is another tough watch. That is uh, about, you know, Hurricane Katrina and this hospital in New Orleans that was you know, trapped without power in this stifling heat. And there were, you know, elderly and more uh, sicker patients who were, you know, allegedly sort of euthanized as the situation got worse and worse and worse. So it's definitely, it's it's Mm -hmm. a tough watch. (laughs) Yeah, that is one way of putting it. Um, But but I still think worthy of watching because it's one of those stories that you just need to like, know what happened in in the midst of a horrible disaster in our country. And really seeing the, you know, the book is, it's based on the book and which was incredibly well reported. But what's also interesting is that, you know, it really shows the breakdown in terms of, you know, no one was technically really in charge of creating this evacuation plan. And so, you know, everybody was waiting for help to come from somebody somewhere else. And, and obviously things just imploded. So it's, it, it's something where clearly more needs to be done. And uh, it raises all those points of why, uh, you know, why there is a gaping uh, hole in our nation's, uh, you know, emergency preparedness. Emergency response. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's gotten better. I, I hope. I think it has. Uh, <laughs> I really don't want us to go through something on that scale again, but we kind of have um, and, and things seemingly went a little better, but there are always going to be lags. Anyway, that's that's a whole other tangent and a whole other topic. Um, OK, and uh, lastly here, supporting actor in a limited series or movie. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser, Blackbird. There's the, the the serial killer we were talking about playing Larry Hall. No relation. Um, Richard Jenkins as Jeffrey Dahmer's dad. Uh, Donald Gleason from The Patient. You mentioned him. He's so good and so creepy. Another one from Blackbird. Ray Liotta, one of his final performances. He's playing Taron Egerton's dad. Uh, last year's winner murray bartlett he is up this year for welcome to chippendales also uh did not go well for him in that series either i'm i'm seeing a trend here (laughs) between the white lotus welcome to chippendales and the last of us things are not going well for murray's characters um jesse plemons in love and death uh and then a couple from beef as we talked about in the supporting actress category but uh here we've got joseph lee and then uh young mizino um how are you feeling about this category because i think it's like uh, i don't know i could not tell you who's certainly not who's going to win no and i you know i really think i hope that Donald gleason uh is is nominated and is in the mix as a front runner because that was a really incredible performance you know paul walter hauser is obviously great he's also great in cobra kai (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know would love to see him uh win some more uh, win some awards but yeah this is a yeah, I I am not sure, you know, because we also have big movies like Fire Island and, you know, that has Bone Yang in it, for example, or other movies, yep. you know, uh, yep. that that could could fall into this category in terms of the acting. And yeah, Jake McNorman uh, from Mrs. Davis is my other little mm-hmm. plug. He's so funny in this. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do <laughs> hope he gets some attention as well. Oh, and I mean, 
look at Adam Brody. Fleischman is in trouble. Yeah. Would you like to see Adam Brody? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. There, this is going to be a really interesting. I don't know how they're going to narrow it down. It'll. It, I like it when a category is is there's only like one or two sure things yeah. and then the rest, it's just like anything goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and like I said, because of the White Lotus last year dominating and getting so many slots, they're in the the mm-hmm. big drama category this year. So that really changes the game because for a while, everyone thought it yeah. was going to be, you know, the supporting cast taking over again. And that's not going to happen. Um, all right. And lastly, here, as we uh, get ready to take a quick break, I just want to mention uh, the TV movie category where we've already talked about weird, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, I think that's a sure bet for a nomination. Uh, but just so folks know, some of the other contenders pray, which people loved. If you have not seen it, uh, you really should check that one out. Uh, Fire Island, um, as Kristen just mentioned, Reality, as she also mentioned. Um, Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas in the mix, y'all. Um Boston Strangler, Hocus Pocus 2, if that gets in there, I think that would be lovely. I I enjoy that. Disenchanted, also in the mix, because that was a Disney Plus release and not a theatrical release. Uh, So lots of movies there. Uh, But as I mentioned, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, we've got two folks on the podcast today from that, star Daniel Radcliffe and its director, Eric Appel. Uh, Don't go anywhere. My interview with them is coming up. The Awardist will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. So Daniel Radcliffe, we all grew up watching him, uh, or well, we we watched him grow up, rather, I should say, uh, as Harry Potter uh, on, on the big screen, and he's gone on to do such fantastic work, uh, really varied things, um, and mostly smaller projects, even popping up uh, on our TV in a few seasons of uh, Miracle Workers, and in Weird Al, he is just, he is on another level. He commits to the absurdity in such a beautiful way. So uh, let's get right to it. My interview with Daniel Radcliffe and director Eric Appel. Well, Daniel Radcliffe and Eric Appel, hello to you both. How are you? Great. Yeah, thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, doing, doing great. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, so glad to have you here uh, on The Awardist talking about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I have to start by telling you guys, I... Um, I don't know what I was expecting when I sat down to first watch this movie, but it is nothing at all what I expected. And I say that in the best way because, of course, what I watched is what I should have been expecting. <laughs> it's so gosh darn funny uh, and and ridiculous and absurd. And I, I feel like I had a smile on my face the entire time. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, Listen. thank you so much. I think unexpected is kind of what what we were going for. <laughs> <laughs> people would be um uh expecting a, a straight up like spoof uh you know naked gun hot shots airplane <laughs> and uh you know we want to deliver some a, a richer experience i think uh, yeah i also say like i feel like it's 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 unexpected but there is a sense of of inevitability as well like when when i first got the saw that the like the offer came in for this movie and the, the script came in before i read it and i just like read the log line I also like didn't know what I was going to read or what it was going to be. And then as soon as you start, you're like, oh, 
yes, this is all this ever could have been. Like this is yeah. uh, this is exactly <laughs> what it has to be. Yeah, because you know, especially in so many uh, biopics in recent years on musicians. I mean, we have Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Um, so I, I think there might have also been a bit of that in my subconscious, thinking like, oh, we're getting like a, a legit biopic on this guy. <laughs> I would love that, you know. But um, but then of course it, it subverts all of that. It's so heightened and, and of course fictionalized and absurd in the best way. Dan, then did it take much convincing for you or for, for all of those reasons? Is that why you were like, Oh yeah, I, I get this. Let me, let me have a go at it. Yeah. It was very, very uh, quick and easy decision for me. I mean, I read the script and it was so like, that's the thing. The script is so was so good. It wasn't just like, Oh, they found this joke and it's a fun parody movie. Like it, it, it's so thoroughly like explored the premise of being a parody of biopics and like hit every beat and note that you wanted it to hit. Um, and yeah, and yeah, I was just, I was just and similar to your experience of watching. I was just like smiling the whole way through. And it doesn't hurt that when you read a script like that, that features everything from, you know, insane action sequences in diners to like, like make violent make out scenes with Madonna to bursting out of an egg naked playing guitar. You, <laughs> you really like come away with the sense of like, well, this would be a lot of fun to make. <laughs> like it's, um, and then, you know, I had a, I had like one zoom meeting with, uh, Eric and Al and that would, you know, I, I think, I, I don't think I was playing very hard to get in that meeting. I think I was pretty much just being like, this script is amazing. Like when do we, when do we get to do it? It was very exciting for Al and I. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to get to that diner action scene and all that stuff you mentioned in a second. But uh, I, I do have to I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that uh, playing Weird Al in a biopic was not on your bucket list. Um, yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't. something. Yes, it was not something I, I <laughs> could have predicted. Um, yeah. But. You know that's the the joy of uh, of my job is that you you know sometimes you get something like this and you go wait what like that was my, I think that was the world's the world's first reaction to hearing that I had been cast as Weird Al was my first reaction on being offered <laughs> the part was just like wait what me um, but then as I read it I was like oh right I see why it why this can work why it works with me. Um, and yeah, no, it was uh, not not predicted, but but a, a lovely surprise. Yeah, well, Eric, why why was uh, Daniel the, uh, the the thought here, the choice? I mean, you know, he's such a a great actor that can that can play both drama and comedy. Uh, obviously, he's carried a movie franchise, you know, as the lead so actor. So I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, and we, yeah, we we. Uh, um, you know, Al and I both were, were big fans of his, and. You know, um, Al had seen uh, um, Dan singing uh, the Elements song <laughs> on, uh, on on television on the Graham Norton show. Um, that's what really sealed the deal for him. But we're just such big fans of, of his entire body of work and felt that he would really um, understand what we were going for. And what we really needed was him to, like, lean into the drama of this character in an absurd way. And that's what's going to make it really funny. And we thought that he just really checked all the, uh, all the boxes for us. Nailed it. I, I definitely got to say. Um, okay. So I, I want to go back a decade ago, 10 years ago this month, uh, Eric, you, you made that funnier die short. Uh, it was released 10 years ago. Yeah. Was that, were you guys treating that as like a, a sizzle reel of sorts for a feature that you wanted to get made or was like the, the, that short, like it's thing. It was, it was just that. And it lived in its own little world. How did we get to here? 
Yeah, it just sort of did live in its own little world. At the time, I was um, on staff at Funny or Die, and I was making uh, some other fake movie trailers. I did one called Gobstopper, which was like a, a, a torture porn version of Willy Wonka with Christopher Lloyd as this like evil Willy Wonka. And uh, it was around the time that that notorious B.I.G. biopic had come out. And I know that all these biopics play really fast and loose with the facts. So, you know, I had this idea to just make a fake biopic trailer about someone who's still alive that you could very easily fact check this thing by asking the person uh, if this really happened or not, and then to fabricate everything. And I thought it would be a really funny idea to do it with Weird Al because, you know, I was such a big fan of his and he's a, you know, the king of parodies. So it worked on this meta level too, like a parody trailer about the person that does parodies that's a biopic. Um, and when we made it at the time, uh, yeah, it was just meant to live online and, and be a sketch. Um, you know, when it came out, we had very briefly talked about, oh, I wonder if we could turn this into a real thing. And uh, for whatever reason, we didn't. About a decade goes by and I get a random email from Weird Al one morning that just says, I, I think it's time. You know, he's like, uh, I saw, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, the trailer for Rocket Man was out at the time and, and biopics were just back in the zeitgeist. It seems like there was a huge slate of, you know, the Whitney Houston Elvis had been announced. Um, we just thought the, the, the time was right to, uh, you know, to turn it into a full feature. Strike while the iron's hot. That's Gotta right. Got to get in there. And, and it all worked out. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, which I think I very well may be. Uh, is this your first feature film? This is my first feature film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I worked in, uh, I, I worked in television for, for a while. I did make a I, lot I made of this, television. I mean, don't, I did, don't play. I did a lot of television. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did a project with Kevin Hart, uh, called, called yeah. Die Hart. That was sort yeah, of a, so funny, sort of a series, it, you know, it was for Quibi. So it was, it was a movie, but it was a movie broken into 10 chapters that, you know, worked as a series, but also stitched together as a feature. Um, but this is like my first proper feature. So what did the, 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 the many years of working on television, uh, what kind of uh, fulfillment did you get out of the, the film that you didn't get from those? I mean, you know, as a film director, you're, um, you're just in, in much more control of, of, your, of the creativity. It's a, it's a, you're, you're a much larger part in the creative process especially in directing TV comedy. Um, you know, there's so many dramas on television that feel very cinematic and almost feel like movies. And I think the directors have a little bit more leeway to explore doing TV half hour comedy. Um, you know, you have a, a group of writers sitting with you every day on set um, that are, uh, you know, it just takes, it takes a lot of the work off of your shoulders and it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's much more uh, collaborative with, with a film. It's a bit more of a singular vision or the vision of, of Al and myself um, in this case. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more fulfilling, uh, you know, from like the artist's perspective, <laughs> I would say. Makes complete sense. Um, okay, Dan, let's talk about first time slipping into the wig. What was that day like? Um, it was great. I mean, I feel like it was the first, the first time I had the wig and the, the, the Hawaiian shirt and the accordion on all at the same time. I, I sort of uh, looked myself in the mirror and went like, oh yeah, okay, this can, this can work. That was like the trifecta. Of, yeah. It's really yeah. like when you've got all three on, 
it, and just two of them doesn't quite do it. The three, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is very complete now. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a joy to. I remember there was like one there was one day when uh, Roku sent um, like a a team a behind the scenes crew to like record the transformation. And mm. you know, the moustache was my own, so like that was already on, and that wasn't on. And and Cat did great makeup on me, but like wasn't anything like there wasn't anything crazy being done that day on me. And then I already had the wig on, so the guys were just like, "Well, what what is that?" And I was like, "It's mainly it's already happened. Like it's a wig, and it's a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> and it's my accordion, and that's yeah. that's really that's what we're doing." Um, there was a yeah, there were a huge amount of like amazing uh, makeups and stuff on on the job, but actually like. I was I was one of the simpler ones, but the hair department did like an amazing, amazing job on 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 that wig. Um, and yeah, I wish I wish my hair did that when when it grows long. It does not. Well, and then you you got to present that look to Weird Al himself, who who does uh, I don't want to say a cameo. It's a it's a it's a small role in the film as one of the record company executives. Um, the scene I love so much, though, is when uh, it's when Will Forte, as his brother Ben, is just like calling Al this like untalented, pathetic loser, and he's calling him ugly. And meanwhile, like Al as Tony is sitting there, like, "Whoa, hey, like <laughs> ease up a little." <laughs> like, I, that kind of uh, just little like play there with uh, with even the words and the scenes. Uh, I mean, just tell me then about getting to, to actually work with Al. I mean, I think the, the days working with him were were great. Like, I love those scenes. Um, I do think that the scenes w- w- with me and Al, like both me and Al, were kind of just sitting back and watching Will Forte a little bit in those scenes because <laughs> he was so funny. Um, the funniest. But but generally, like Al, I think it was it was awesome. Like, I've done uh, films that are based on people's lives before or based on real people before, um, and albeit the tone of the other films that I've done like that is a lot more serious and very different from this one. Um, but there's a real pressure to them being on set and watching like stuff from their life get filmed. Obviously not all of this film is, is from Al's life, but having him there so kind of visibly excited about the way it was going and seeming to enjoy watching the film get made so much was like, I don't know. It was a real kind of boost every day, just like having him there on set with us. Well, yeah. So um, the the great thing, though, too, is that like like you guys have alluded to, you know, there's so much here that is not true. Uh, to be clear to I- anyone who's uh, listening to this podcast but hasn't seen the movie yet, um, I-, I mean, his parents didn't tell him to stop being who he was or discourage him from playing the accordion. He didn't have an affair with Madonna. She didn't get kidnapped by Pablo Escobar. There are other things uh, I, I'm not going to spoil them. Um, so what is true about Al's life that was actually really important to maintain within the narrative? Really, for for us, it was like the 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 chronology of how the songs came out. To a certain point, mm. we do we do say that Amish Paradise came out in the mid eighties when you know it was a, a came out a decade later. Um, but there there's certain uh, there there were certain milestones that we did use. Um, a door to door accordion salesman did give Al his first accordion. Oh. Um, that was true. Um, in real life, uh, Al's father did not uh, beat the guy up, <laughs> which happens in our movie. <laughs> um, you know, my, my Bologna was recorded uh, in in a bathroom because uh, the acoustics were really great in there. It was on Al's uh, college campus. Um, 
You know, aside from that, there really is not much else that's true. <laughs> there, 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 there are, <laughs> there's true things that inspired moments in our movie. Like in, in, in reality, Madonna, um, Al wrote like a surgeon because he had heard like through Madonna's manager that she said, when is someone, uh, when's Weird Al going to parody like a virgin? Uh. And that inspired him to do like a surgeon. Um, we obviously spun that out into, you know, Madonna will stop at nothing to get Al to uh, parody her song. <laughs> yes. And yeah. Uh, yeah, turned her into this arch villain. But uh, other than that, you know, um, it is really it's it is purely fiction. Yeah. But, but I guess you can kind of liken it to how how people who get uh you know, spoofed parodied on Saturday night live or like, Oh my God, like if I'm being made fun of on SNL, like I've made it. So it, it feels like, I guess that kind of same thing, what Madonna was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing is the, you know, we, we wanted to create, it's, it's the opposite of what Al's real life was, <laughs> you know, we just wanted his, his parents were very supportive. We wanted to just create the most dramatic, like, make the ultimate biopic and put all the biopic moments that never really happened to Al into Al's life, which is really the only way that you can do a biopic about Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> it captures the spirit of what, what Al does. I've, oh, 100%. Uh, Daniel, as I, was, as I was saying that a second ago, then I started thinking, wait, you've been um, spoofed on SNL, have you not? I'm sure I have. Of course yes, you've probably. been on, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, well, it was all good. It was all great. Oh, yeah. uh, and it, it made you look fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, Eric, in terms of the uh, writing this movie, of course, like we were saying, it has a very specific tone and you worked with Al, collaborated on the script. How did that work? Did you actually have writing sessions together? It was like you would write and send stuff to him and he would send notes or vice versa? Yeah, well, when when we first started getting together, um, we spent a few months. Uh, I would go over to his house. He would come to my office. We we worked up an outline, um, kind of worked up a pitch, which we took all around town and got rejected by every single <laughs> every single company so in town. Crazy. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, playing Weird Al was not on uh, Daniel's bucket list. It, making the movie was not on the bucket list of uh, <laughs> of any uh, company in, in uh, Hollywood, uh, Hollywood yeah. either. Uh. Um, and then, uh, we decided to just write the script, uh, just on our own. Maybe we can attach an actor and then try to, uh, sell it, uh, after, after the pitch got rejected. So, uh, we fleshed out the outline uh, a lot more. And then, um, we actually did when, when we wrote it, we emailed it back and forth, um, over the course of maybe 20 days, we broke our outline into like five page chunks and like I would write the first five pages, I'd send it to Al at the end of the day. Um, the next day, he would revise those five pages, add five more, send it back to me. And we just kept rewriting each other. And the, the agreement was, you know, you can't have an ego about anything that you wrote. If you kill someone else's thing, you know, if it's something very important, it could be a discussion and you can kind of go to the mat for it. But, um, but Al and I are just... Uh, it's crazy. Like my sense of humor, I was, I was a huge Weird Al fan when my sense of humor was developing. Um, so it, it's really funny that as an adult, Al and I are just so, uh, you know, we find the same things funny. And that's partly because I learned what was funny from Weird Al. <laughs> so uh, it was really a joy, uh, you know, writing this script together and, and, you know, I was happy when he would reject something that I wrote because I'm like, OK, I guess it wasn't funny. I trust I, I trust Al. <laughs> 
Right. Who else are you going to? Yeah. If, if he's like, no, no, got it. I will listen to you. It's funny as you're saying that uh, I, I was I was thinking this while watching the movie that, you know, there were so many of those songs of the 80s and early 90s that I, I remember and love so much. Um, and I'm a um, I'm a big proponent of puns. I know they're not for everyone, but I think that's also probably I'm either now thinking that's maybe I listened to too much Weird Al and his parodies and that's where I got it from or it was already there and that's why I loved it. But yeah, it's um, it's funny how like you're saying formative he is in ways that I probably never thought about. Um, Yeah. You know, the, the stuff that I love. Yeah, it's funny. And Al, uh, yeah, all that wordplay and the puns, like Al was so himself inspired by, you know, Mad Magazine. That's what his, you know, he grew up mm. reading so much Mad Magazine. And that's what that is. You know, it's like Mad Magazine is what, what, yeah, so many things rhyme with the word black. Like every, I remember all the, all the Mad Magazine. <laughs> Star Trek yeah. was Star Black. Black was such a big word. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's an entire website you can go to, Pun Generator, if you ever need help with something. It's brilliant. I know, that's uh, awesome. Well, sometimes it fails a little, but but it's a lot of fun too. Um, okay, so speaking of that, like he he would rewrite things, or you know, you guys would rewrite each other. For I, this question is to both of you: Are there any? Because there are some really good ones. Just some like standout, like you still laugh about it, one-liners or jokes in the movie. Oh, I mean, I was just thinking earlier, like just listening to you guys talk about the film i'm still so amused by it like i'm still just like <laughs> laughing at jokes that we filmed over a year ago um my i i i won't say what the joke is but like the whole joke around um uh the michael jackson parodies and like al's relationship to them is was my that was the moment where yeah. i was like when al gets the phone call um in the restaurant and starts losing it about <laughs> michael jackson um that was definitely one of my uh yeah one of my absolute favorite moments in the script but really there are so there are so many there are also like stuff that got that i know got cut just because it like didn't work in the context of the film like there was one thing that's like made al look like an asshole early on where like there was when he goes to post the my Bologna tape uh to uh dr demento you just see me like slamming it into the letterbox but the original start of that shot is me like shoulder barging an old lady out of the way who's posting something (laughs) to then post that um which i i i know i know exactly why it was cut and it's a good choice but i still have the footage on my phone and that also makes me laugh every so often (laughs) i worked with that same stunt lady uh i like about like six months later on something else and I was like, we've worked together before. And she was like, we haven't. And I was like, we definitely have. There are not many like ladies of your age who are working in stunt women who also look like you. Like I was, I kept having to convince her. And then at the end of the day, she realized that it was me and that she hadn't recognized me outside of the Weird Al wig and makeup. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. I hope you didn't knock her down again in the, I did in not. the next No, project. no, no. She was attacking okay, me that good. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, see, tables turned. All yeah. right. <laughs> All's fair. Yeah. Um, Eric, for you, a favorite moment? Yeah. Uh, Arturo Castro as Pablo Escobar. Um, I, I feel like everything, every choice that he made, we, we went into that scene, I think, wanting, um, like, the original idea for that character was to to have him be really serious, um, and, and sort of the, the juxtaposition of this silly birthday party happening with like a really gruff, mean Pablo Escobar and Arturo just made this really funny choice. Just to, the, the way that he played him was just so light and kind of silly. And, uh, 
And and it helped the turn when Pablo Escobar actually does get intimidating near the end of the scene. Um, but I mean, a, a, every single thing that he does is Escobar um, celebrating his birthday party and being excited about Weird Al showing up um, makes me laugh every single time I watch it. <laughs> his rejection of when uh, when Evan says like, I could do borderline. And he's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want <laughs> so that. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So good. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my gosh. All right. I I'm probably have to watch this movie for a third time. There's, there's so many jokes. It's so good. Um, okay. We, we teased a little bit earlier, the, uh, the action scene in the diner. Uh, I, I've got to ask because you've, you've done plenty of stunts and, you know, action pieces and stuff. Dan, do you, did you like find yourself tapping back into that? Like, Harry Potter muscle memory from a lot of those scenes you filmed for yeah, stuff like definitely. this. Like I feel like I'm just the, the things uh, Potter taught me about stunt work was just like obviously like the concentrating and like all of that stuff, but like just putting yourself in the hands of the stunt team and like working with them because they like know what they're doing and are brilliant at it. Um, and the stunt team on this, uh, led by uh, Jake, our coordinator, was like amazing. And um, Andrew, my stunt double, was brilliant and that scene would not have happened were it not for the both of them and how how great they were um but yeah it was super fun i mean i i love getting to do that kind of stuff because i got to do so much of it on potter i don't get to do as much of it anymore but i got to do a lot of it actually on this film as weird al um so yeah it was a very it was really it was very very fun to do I mean, well, right. You had the action stuff. You also got to, I mean, you got to tap into being a performer. Of course, I, I mean, you've, uh, well, there was Graham Norton uh, that you mentioned, Eric. Uh, you you rapped on uh, The Tonight Show. Of course, you've been on Broadway. But I got to say, like, you you really looked at home on stage during those performance <laughs> oh, scenes. Cool. Like, did that feel in any way out of your comfort zone? Or did you, like, you really relished in those? Um, I definitely was really relishing in them. And, and it, there's, uh, I think... Yeah, there was something about the environment and the, you know, the costume and the everything that just really sort of helps you to just like commit to all of it. Um, and, you know, you're in a big space. We filmed those scenes in like a, a big theater. So there was something about like, yeah, you just walk out onto the stage and you're like, oh, I've got to like, you know, fill this space and be as, as, as big as it. And we had like, a very, very game group of background who were like giving me a lot off camera and were doing a lot of cheering and making it feel like a concert. So yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, and, and I think there was something that day was so crazy because we had, I guess, do we have two days or was it one day to shoot all the stuff in Joe Robbie, Eric? It was one day. It was just one day. We had these two back-to-back days. One, The whole movie was shot in 18 days, which is really insane. <laughs> just It had to wow. be with the budget we were working wow. with. But yeah, we had this one day where it was... Um, the day began with the scene uh, down in the tunnel where where uh, drunk Weird Al is fighting with his band. And then we did all of the concert stuff for the rest of that day and then went outside for a little piece at the end. Oh, yeah, and shot um, at the end when we come where, out. Yeah, with, with uh, Madonna him, uh, escorting uh, him out of the courthouse. And then the following day was the entire award ceremony at the end of the film. <laughs> at the end. <laughs> yeah, wow. so those were two back-to-back days. That was a, uh, I, th- I believe it was a Tuesday and Wednesday. The Monday was the pool party scene. The entire oh God, pool yeah. party scene was the day before that. So it was With this the uh, many, many cameos. Yeah, that was yeah. The, for, for as as director. That was like the gauntlet that I had to run through. And once I got past those three days, it was Oof. like, all right, we're going to we have the movie. We're going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, if you can do what you did on those three days, basically anything after that is going to seem really achievable. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it was That's really, really impressive. And it got it down to the impressive. wire. I mean, it was, wow. you know, there there were days where it was, you know, I was watching the seconds on my on my watch countdown, you know, trying to squeeze in what we could. We only went over one time and yeah. it was, you guys, I mean, you, uh, Emily, the first AD, like, I, I don't know how, because also it never felt that rushed. That was what was crazy about it is that I've done shoots that were longer, like only by a few days, but that felt a lot more chaotic and they were fun too. But like this... What there was, oh, there's always an element of chaos, but it was so like as as the act. I'm sure you felt very, very, very rushed. But <laughs> yeah. as the, like the actors coming onto set, like it, it all felt so well run and so um, kind of methodical mm. that it was never, yeah, it never felt like it never felt like we didn't know what we were doing and we were just spinning our wheels. Like there was all, it was always, we, yeah, it was very purposeful. Yeah, you don't want that anxiety and stress to bleed over into the and affect the performances. Yeah, uh, so. You did a nice job, is what he's saying. Yes. Very well done. That's yeah, I tried to keep everyone that's really from that. Every weekend, I just uh, uh, curled up into a ball and cried in my shower, hoping that I would make it through the next yeah. week. But I believe it. I believe it. You did it. You did it. Well, uh, I, I do want to talk about that pool scene quickly because, I mean, well, not just that scene. You have a lot of great cameos throughout the the movie. Of course, I, um, Quinta Bronson is Oprah. But at the pool, I, I think all of these were at the pool. Um, Conan O'Brien is Andy Warhol. By the way, I did not even even realize that was him uh, <laughs> oh. i had to uh, until the second time i realized it uh yorma taconi is as Wee herman um uh, uh akiva schaefer as uh, alice cooper jack black of course as wolfman jack there's so many others uh and then paul f Tompkins is in the film as gallagher um uh rain wilson of course is dr demento um were a lot of these like you just calling in like I- I need you for 30 minutes or, or something like that. <laughs> That's kind of what it was. It was really, um, it was Al Yankovic's uh, Christmas card mailing list that we leaned on for that scene. <laughs> Al sort of wow. worked, worked as our casting I, I, director. I feel just like for you're actually scene. not joking. No, I'm, no not. I'm, I'm, I am not joking. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we came up with all these, uh, yeah, ideas for, um, you know, these funny, like early, early 80s, late 70s, you know, weirdo characters. And Al just gave me a list of like, here are people that I could personally reach out to. Um, you know, who who do you want to cast as who? And uh, <laughs> it was amazing getting those like text messages back. Uh, you know, we decided, oh, let's let's see if Conan, if there's any way Conan O'Brien would do Andy Warhol. And 15 minutes later, Al texts me and he's like, Conan's in. Like whatever day we're shooting, Conan's in, and uh, yeah. Who tell who tells Weird Al no? I mean, I that's, that's yeah. kind of the beauty of it. He's such a lovely person. He's such a nice guy. Um, and through the years, he's yeah. just like made so many friends. Like no one doesn't like Weird Al. So it's uh, you know, it, it, I think it was really easy for him to reach out to these people, and you know. He's not always asking for favors either. So when he does come calling, you know, everyone, everyone shows up. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it pays off in such big ways. Uh, those moments are, are so funny. Um, last thing I will ask, uh, Dan, I know we said Weird Al wasn't on the bucket list. Is there anyone on the bucket list you're like dying to play in a biopic? Oh, no, I think uh, I was going to say, like, I think this film might have like ruined me for biopics. Like, I don't know if I could ever do like a serious one after this because I have yeah. talked so much shit about them on this press tour. So I don't think I'll, I'll have to like eat my, I'll have to like eat my words on it so much that I just I think this is I think I'm probably one and done here. <laughs> uh, oh well i mean it's it's a great one if it's the only one i i, I hope you're very happy oh, with yeah, it. i'm I proud mean, of it it's it's so much fun it's I'm great stuff uh, and, and eric same to you i 
I, I will keep singing its praises. It's so much fun. So congratulations to you both. And, uh, and thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thank uh, you yeah, so much. Thank you. Great talking to you. Oh, well, all right. I could have talked to those guys all day, but you know, earlier, Chris and I said to you that, uh, you know, when they first announced that Dan was going to be playing Weird Al, I was like, what? They're like, how's that going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Dan said he was like, you know, kind of the same, but I thought it was so funny there hearing him say, you know, I asked about putting on the wig, that it wasn't just about the wig. It was the trifecta, as I called it, of the wig, the Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> and the accordion, because it's all like, it's, it. You need it all. It's one complete package. That's like that's like Weird Al's, you know, superhero gear. Once he has it, he's yeah. Superman, but with an accordion. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. The Hawaiian shirt is the cape, and the uh, the accordion is, uh, <laughs> you know, Captain America's shield. That's such a beautiful way of putting it. He is. He really. Well, I mean, he does super work here, so it's only fitting. What a great analogy. See, that's why I have you on here. Aw, thanks. Uh, well, but that said. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Always love it. And folks, I hope all of you are loving what you are hearing here on The Awardist. If so, please be sure to follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you back here next week. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.